But if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 26, verse 13. Matthew chapter 26, verse 13. Last week, Pastor began a series entitled The Radical Zone. Guys, I, I am so excited about this series. Everybody say The Radical Zone. And so this week, I, I've literally been thinking about this. There, by, by default, there should be no Christian that's not radical. Because by definition, to be a Christian is very radical. Just by nature of what it means to be a Christian and what that means is radical. At every level. Where, because, they just think about it on a practical level. In the world, what do people do, right, when they're mad at someone or when they have enemies? You fight, you slander, you gossip. But in the kingdom, Jesus said, you are to love your enemies. You're to bless those who persecute you. Everything about being a Christian is radical because we are being conformed to the image of Christ. And so Christianity, by definition, is radical. But not only that, we have a long heritage as Christians of we have the scriptures, but we have testimonies and stories of the way that radical the way that believers lived radically and how they impacted church history. You know, just this week, just think about this. Just this week, I was reading about the missionaries just in this last century. There were missionaries. They, they used to buy one way tickets to a nation and they would they would say bye to their family and they never came home. Just this week, I was reading about James Calvert, who, who, when he brought the gospel to an island, he brought the gospel to an unreached people group, and it was an island of cannibals. And on his way to the island, the boat master or the boat uh, guy said, "Listen, if you go to this island, you're going to die." And James Calvert looked at him and said, "We died long before we came here. Your story may look different. Your assignment may look different." But if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, God has called to live you radical in some form or fashion because your radical obedience. And as today, I want to talk to us about radical devotion. Your obedience has the capability of literally changing history. Amen. And so this morning I want us to read. And I learned uh, very on, early on in my first message. I'm going to have to split this up. I might have to do a part one and a part two. So let me tell you what I want to talk to us about this morning. I want to speak to you from the subject of radical devotion. Everybody say radical devotion. And and, and what hit my heart this week as I was preparing, I got into the scriptures and I came across again the stories of Mary of Bethany. Everybody familiar with Mary of Bethany? It can get really confusing, uh, confusing when you talk about Mary in the Bible because I did the research this week. There are at least six Marys in the Gospels. Some scholars say there's as many as nine. Because what we need to understand about Jesus is that Jesus had many faithful and devout female disciples. There were many women who were devoted to the ministry of Jesus. And apparently a lot of them were named Mary. And it can get very hard to sometimes distinguish. And the Bible will tell us sometimes, it will label someone like Mary of Magdalene, Mary of Bethany, Mary, mother of James, Mary, wife of uh, uh, Cleopas or Clopas or whatever his name is. There's all these different Marys. Mary, the mother of Jesus. But the Bible gets real explicit at certain times. And we, we read about a woman 
who is, na- who is referred to as Mary of Bethany. And there are three stories, there are three accounts that we read about her encountering Jesus. And as I was reading the stories this week about Mary of Bethany, I, I, I realized a trend. And intuitively, I guess I always knew it. But I realized at every time you read about Mary of Bethany, she's always at the feet of Jesus. No matter what she's doing. I started, I started reading her story and you see this phrase, at his feet, at the feet, at his feet. And so what I want to do today is, I, I, I'm not going to be able to do it, I'm going to have to do this in two series. I want to go through the three occasions where Mary encounters the Lord. And I want, I want to extract something from her life. Can we do that? So we're, we're going to do a deep dive in the scripture, but I really, what I want to do is unpack this. And I want to talk to you this morning about having radical devotion for him. Are you with me? Let's read Matthew chapter 26, verse 13. This is the most famous story about Mary of Bethany. And, and, and I know this is where it, get confusion, it gets confusing. There are actually two Marys that anointed the feet of Jesus. But Mary of Bethany is one of them. And, and in Matthew chapter 26, this is what Matthew says. That when, when Mary has come and she has broken her alabaster box at the feet of Jesus, we know the story. Judas is over here and Judas is watching. And Judas says, Lord, this is a waste. We could have sold this costly oil for 300 denarii and given it to the poor. But the Bible also lets us know Judas didn't care about the poor. It lets us know that Judas was actually stealing the money from the coffers. Because he was the accountant of the group. But... What happens is when Judas says this to Jesus, he says, Lord, we could have sold this and given this to the poor. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 26, verse 13. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the what? Whole world. What this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. I think sometimes we read stuff and we're like, oh, that's good. Do you understand what Jesus is saying? For all, for the rest of history, wherever the gospel is preached, her story will be told. One act of radical devotion and Jesus says she has made history. That means this, when she did this act of devotion, there were billions of people who are yet to be born. That means from that time till now, for 2,000 years, as the gospel has been preached on every continent in this planet, Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, she will be honored. Never underestimate what your radical devotion, and let me say that, your radical obedience, you do not know the ripple effect you're going to cause. You don't know the ripple effect it's going to cause in your life. You don't know the ripple effect it's going to cause in your family. You don't know the ripple effect that it's going to cause in your city because you can't always see it because you may not even be thinking that far. You're so focused on Jesus, which is the right motive, but you have no idea what is going to come about because of your radical devotion to him. And, and, and I'm moved when I read the stories more than ever. This week, it just, I, I, listen, the first service, I couldn't get through without crying. I have been such a crybaby lately. So I got my napkin here. I'm just warning you. Because I, I am so moved by this. I am moved by how we can move him. 
And I'm convinced that very few people can move the heart like Mary of Bethany. And I want to say something radical to you before I progress in this message. I, I truly believe, and Scripture gives us lots of clues, Mary was one of, one of his most devout followers, but Jesus loved Mary so dearly. I believe she was one of his closest followers. followers. In fact, the Bible explicitly tells us that Jesus was very close to Martha, her brother Lazarus, and her. But I want to say this, that Jesus loves all of us the same. But there are those who are closer to him than others. It has nothing to do with favoritism. It has nothing to do with giftedness. It has nothing to do with anointing. It's the simple reality. You can be as close to Jesus as you want to be. What Mary teaches me is you can press in and get as close as you want to press in. Okay, let me let me stop preaching. So Mary at the feet of Jesus. Now let's go to the first story. Luke chapter 10. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. I know so many of us have heard this story so many times, but let's look at it with fresh eyes. Luke chapter 10. Now it happened, verse 38, as they went and entered a certain village, a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. Listen to what it says. Who also sat at, the, at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. As she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Someone say many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Someone say amen to God's word. Let's look at this story with fresh eyes and hear it with fresh ears because so, we've all heard it. And I'm sure you've heard a hundred sermons on the, on the contrast of, of, of Martha and Mary. But listen, I want us to, 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 to glean in on the scripture. What is happening? Number one, the Bible is very clear. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And when you're reading the text, you can just tell there's lots of things going around, around them. But Mary seems to be captivated by Jesus and she's sitting at his feet. So by default, what is Mary doing? Mary is practicing the presence of Jesus because how many, of you know, he's literally there. <laughs> so she's sitting at his feet, which means this she's in his presence, but the Bible tells us something else. She's also hearing his what word we need to understand. Actually, this is actually a very Jewish thing. Because whenever you, in in that day, whenever you were sitting under the ministry of a rabbi, the term was you would sit at the feet of that teacher. So, for example, I'll give you an example. Paul in Acts chapter 22, when he's telling us a little bit about his history, Paul says this. He goes, I am a Jew born in Tarsus. He goes, I was brought up in this city and, and I was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel. Do you see that? He says, I was brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. Paul was being trained by Gamaliel, who was one of the leading rabbinic scholars and one of the leading rabbis of his day. And so what Paul said is, I sat at his feet. So when we read the story of of what's actually taking place of, of 
Mary of Bethany, what, what we glean from this right away is, number one, Mary was a devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. Someone say disciple. And I want to make this very clear because so many times when we contrast Mary and Martha, the point of this story is not Mary is good and Martha is bad. Martha was also an incredible and devout woman of faith. She had so much faith that in John chapter 11, when Jesus shows up and their brother Lazarus was killed, Martha meets Jesus and said, Jesus, had you been here, he would not have died. But she says, but whatever you ask God, he will do. In other words, she had faith. Martha's problem is not that she doesn't love Jesus. Martha's problem is not that she doesn't have faith. Martha's problem is we're going to see in a few moments is she falls into a temptation that many of us fall into. But I, I want to honor Martha. Martha is an incredible woman. What we want to glean from this story is what did Mary get right that Martha missed? So, re, so let's go back to verse 39. It said, and she had a sister called Mary, watch this, who sat. Someone say sat. Now, I want to stop right there. We are talking about the radical zone. We are talking about living radically. And I want to say this right up front. If you want to live a life of radical devotion, are you ready for this deep? Are you ready? I don't know if you can handle this deep revelation. Who? You ready? You're going to have to get comfortable sitting at his feet. Why do I say? Because listen, in 2022, it's radical to sit in the presence of Jesus until he speaks. You know why? Because we are not living in a generation that's busier. I don't believe that. Every generation has always been busy. We don't live in a busier generation. We live in a more distracted and stimulated generation. Here's what I'm convinced of. No, please hear my heart today. I'm just like Martha many times. Because because I start at his feet, but I can get quickly distracted. Because there's all kind of things pulling and pressing and trying to pull us away from the feet of Jesus. Right? I mean, listen, we can talk about sitting at the feet of Jesus undisturbed, unmoved. But listen, it's easier said than done. It is difficult to unplug, put down the phone, turn off Netflix, silence the notification. It's easier said than done. Maybe you're like me. There will be times where I'm in deep study and prayer and I don't even know why I do it. I just pick up my phone instinctively. I caught myself doing it the other day. I'm like, why do I, I don't even need it right now? Because we don't live in a busier generation. We live in a stimulated and distracted generation because at every single turn, things are vying for your attention. And what happens, let, let me, let me, man, I'm, I feel this. Just, just track with me. I actually believe many of us are so overstimulated. We have a hard time being present, not just with Jesus, with each other. Do you know they now consider your phone as an extension of you? Because whether people are talking about is AI coming, it's already here. Your phone is already so much a part of you is seen as a extension of you. 
It's not to knock technology, but I'm pointing out a, a, a fact that we are becoming a more stimulated and distracted people just as human beings. And so even in our day-to-day relationships, it's harder and harder to be present. How many times have you been talking to somebody and they're fidgeting or playing with their phone or you, or you find yourself can't even have a conversation because you got a notification. And we have intimacy issues. It's not because we're necessarily trying to, but we're just so stimulated. Bus- busyness. Amen. And one of the most radical things you can do in today's culture is to live a, an intentional, contemplative lifestyle of devotion to the Lord. Okay? I'm not saying, I want to be very careful. I'm not saying, and I don't want to be legalistic. I'm not saying you've got to spend hours every day at the feet of Jesus. Like, like we've got to create a rule. You've got to spend this many hours. No, that's not what I'm saying. But here is what I'm saying, is that, I don't know what it looks like for you, and I'm not going to tell you how many minutes or how many hours. Here's all I'm saying is it may look different for each person, but we all are called to sit at his feet. Because what's happening is she's sitting at his feet. I w- but I want you to li- catch this. Not only is she in his presence, his word is going forth because see. How discipleship works is you don't get discipleship in a microwave. Discipleship is not a microwave. Discipleship is a crock pot. It is is not a microwave. Discipleship doesn't happen. I'm going to run into his presence real quick. Get a quick word. Okay, thank you, Lord. No, sometimes I get it. We're busy. But, but no, discipleship is, look, at some point, I have to prioritize my life that I have to sit at his feet. Because discipleship's not a microwave. It's a crock pot. It is a consistent basis of marination where I am with the Lord and I am with him until he speaks. Like, can, can I preach like I feel like it right now? Because I feel it. Notice this, we need presence and word. Can I tell you what my concern is? We have, worship has never been more popular than it is right now. But Bible illiteracy has never been greater than it is right now. When we practice the presence of Jesus, it's not at the expense of his word. In other words, what I'm saying is this, when you get Jesus, you get presence and you get word. You don't, you don't only love his presence and neglect his word, but you also don't only just get the word without the presence. You actually need both. And I've been actually preaching this over the last six months. I've been talking to a lot of our students about this. Is this, you, you have to be careful not to, to make sure that worship has not become therapy for you. Because if we're not careful, what happens is we are carrying so much in our lives that we go into worship and we feel better. But just because you feel better doesn't mean you worship. It means this, is that God is so good you experienced his presence. And he's so good that he will allow you to experience his presence. But that doesn't mean that you've worshipped. You have, listen, listen. You have not worshipped until you have forgotten about you. You have not worshipped. You may, listen, you may have came in with problems and that's what he says, come before me. But you know you've worshipped when you've moved past you and you're like Mary. You're so 
captivated by what you see. What you're doing then is you're beholding him and you're sitting on the edge of your seat and you're saying, Lord, speak. Does that make sense? Worship does make us feel better. He does heal us. He does relieve us. He does give us the relief we need in his presence. But that is not the end goal. The end goal is actually to behold him. But you have to have worship and word. But listen, but here's what it says about Martha. And it says that Mary, she sat at Jesus' feet, listen to this, and heard his word. But watch this. Martha was distracted with what? Much serving. But here's what's interesting. When I was reading it this week, I'm like, okay, I'm focused on But I backed up a little bit. When the, when, the, when the text says, introduces Mary, it says Mary was also sitting at the feet of Jesus. Why did, why did John say also? And then it clicked. I've read this story wrong for years. I read it as Mary was at the feet and Martha was serving all along. But what the text seems to be indicated is they both started at his feet, but Martha got up. Because it says she was also at his feet. They were both at his feet. But what happened was, and here's what's so crazy. We don't have to be deep theologians. It tells us right here in God's word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. So what I believe in the story, I believe they both started at his feet, at his feet. But what happened is. Martha said, okay, well, there, there's stuff I got to do. I got to get to, I got to, I got to take care of some important stuff. Right? And you know what's crazy is the Bible says she was distracted with serving. You know why that's scary? That scares me more than sin. You know why? Sin is, all, of course, sin will distract somebody. Of course, sin will cause you to move away from the Lord. But sometimes that's not what most of us face. Many times we're pulled away from the feet of Jesus, not by sin, but by good things. Anybody here? Sometimes sin, sometimes it's sin that pulls you away. Sometimes it's serving. Okay, okay. Y'all don't believe me. I'm going to keep preaching. Just track with me. Jesus didn't say she was distracted by sin. She was distracted by much serving. Martha was at his feet. Became distracted by some things she needed to take care of. And what happened is she became preoccupied and became busy. Which, by the way, do you see the humanity in these verses? I love how it says that Martha comes over to Jesus while her sister's right there. It says, Lord, are you going to let her just sit here? Tell her to come help me. If you don't, if you don't see the humor in the scripture, everyone said, you're not reading it. It's there. It's kind of this part right there that's a little funny, but here's what happened to Martha, what happens to a lot of us. And let me say this up front. Busyness, this is so key, is not having a lot to do. Everyone has a lot to do. I'll put it this way. Jesus had a lot to do. Do you ever notice, does it ever strike you in the scripture that Jesus was very, very busy? But he was never in a hurry. 
Because busyness is not about a schedule. The busyness that I'm talking about is the, is the busyness that makes, it way, makes its way into your heart where you can no longer be present in the moment because you're thinking about everything you have to do. And you can be so busy on everything you have to do that you miss. And here's what's so crazy. Jesus could be in the center of the room. But you can't see him anymore. Because of your to-do list. Now, are, you, are you getting this this morning? Busyness is an inward thing. It's an inward thing. And here's how I just defined it. It's this. It's, 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 it's when... The busyness causes you to become so distracted that you become preoccupied with what you have to do rather than the value and the beauty of Jesus in your life. And again, Martha, I got to make this clear one more time. Martha was not doing anything wrong. In fact, what she was doing was actually a good thing. How many know we're called to serve? But Jesus said there's something greater than serving. Because here's, here's what, because while Mary is sitting at his feet, she's being fed. She's being fed. And what's happening is Jesus is satisfying her soul. But what happens sometimes when we get restless, what happens while we're serving with at the expense of sitting at his feet is over time, we begin to actually serve to try to fill the void that only can be filled at Jesus's feet. Okay, hold on. I got to hit this. That means this. I'll never forget. A, a man pulled me aside one time. and He said, Andrew, I want you to listen to me. You can preach at the biggest churches in America. You can preach all around the world. He said, but don't never forget what you need and what you're looking for is at the right hand of the father. You can only find it in his presence. And sometimes we look for in serving and gifting and ministry and doing good things. We look for the satisfaction there when the satisfaction is actually at his feet. And what happens is this, so many times in life, we're so busy doing stuff and we're burning out and all of a sudden, no, check this, all of a sudden, temptation is opening up in your life and you're like, why is temptation open in my life? Ain't I serving Jesus? Ain't I preaching? Ain't I praying for the sick? Ain't I doing this in this ministry? And ain't I doing that? Yeah, but guess what? What you're doing is you're serving apart from him. And what has happened is you're actually bearing, but barren because fruitfulness actually comes from spending time with him. Listen, spending time with Jesus is actually what makes our serving fruitful. Y'all hearing me today? Have you ever been there where you're just uh, restless, maybe reckless, and you're just going from task to task, but your soul feels empty? Martha Kilpatrick said this, activity can make your soul literally empty. And what happens is serving can give us a artificial significance. (laughs) I don't know how far to go in there because I don't, that's not my main message today. But serving, we can actually, listen, we can actually begin to get our significance and our value from what we do for the Lord rather than who we are with the Lord. 
And Jesus is saying, no, I need you to sit at my feet until I can satisfy your soul. Because serving is actually supposed to flow out of intimacy. And serving is actually supposed to flow from a place of being satisfied with him in the secret place. So hear what I'm saying today. I'm not saying don't serve. I'm saying serve. But don't, don't, don't serve at the expense of being with him. And serving can trick us into thinking our relationship is good with him. Oh, I'm good with Jesus because I do this. Oh, I'm good with Jesus because I've done everything that was asked. I'm good with Jesus. Yeah, but have you been with him? I decided two weeks ago, from now on, when I meet with our leaders and we talk about tasks and things we do, we talk about tasks. And then I say, okay, put that aside. How are you with the Lord? Because you can be winning here and losing here. And if you're losing here, this is all going to not matter anyway. Because remember, you remember in the, in the scriptures, it tells us that one day we're going to stand before the throne. And all of our works and everything we've done is going to be tested by fire. And so if, if we did things for the Lord out of the wrong motivation, or we did things for the Lord just to be busy, or we did things for the Lord just to look important, or we did things for the Lord just to get a position, or if we did things for the Lord just to get a title, you know what's going to happen? It's going to burn up because it didn't flow from a place of intimacy where real fruit is produced. Are you with me today? And here I told myself and I, I had to remind myself, I don't want to talk more about what I do for him than what I experience with him. Let me put it like this. There's a place in prayer where you come out of prayer, not talking about prayer. You come out talking about him. There's a place in worship where you come out of worship, not talking about worship. You're talking about him. The goal of preaching is not to talk about preaching. It's to walk away talking about him. The goal of ministry is not to talk about ministry. It's to talk about him. I've got to move on. I'm running out of time. Are you guys with me? We're still in the first story of of Mary. I'm going to have to do a part two to this. But here's what I'm saying. Everything you do for the Lord has to flow out of your time with the Lord. And never let what you do for him be a substitute of being with him. Can I say something gently? Because I see it in myself. People will know when you have been with them and not. And listen, you will know. When you have been with him and not. Are you with me? But I want you to see something. Verse 41. When, 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 uh, is this helping anybody? When, when Jesus responded to Martha, listen to what Jesus says. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. You know what? This week, I've never seen it. But when Jesus said, you are worried and troubled about many things, it hit me. He wasn't just talking about that moment. 
Can I teach you something about Jesus that I've discovered? Whenever he's addressing a present need in somebody, he's also at the same time addressing the, the deeper issues of your life that you can't always see. So when he tells Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, he's not just saying you're troubled that your sister's not helping you. Saying, Martha, actually underneath it all, you're actually being tormented. You're worried. You're anxious. That's why you really got up from my feet. You're, you're, and you're mad and you're blaming Mary. But actually the problem is on the inside of you. Because you are consumed with all the things in your life that you're worried about. And he said, let me just paraphrase, leave Mary alone because she has chosen the greater thing. And listen to what he says. And I love this. I'm going to try not to cry. He said, this will not be taken from her. Listen. When you are with him, what he does and what he speaks can never be taken from you. Do you hear, listen, it cannot be taken from you. It will last. You know what, you know what's going to sustain you? It's not your position or what you do or your gift or your talent. What's going to sustain you is what he says when you're sitting at his feet. That's what sustains you. And what Mary shows us, she shows us a better way. We've all got stuff to do. There's important stuff to be done. But listen, we have got to learn to sit with him. And I told you, I'm not going to ever put a time. That's, that's between you and the Lord. We've got to learn to sit with him until we've been with him, until we've allowed him to speak. Because what Mary was actually doing as she was sitting at his feet was she was beholding Jesus. And that's why, that's why Jesus told Martha, only one thing is needed. In fact, I love what Jesus said. Jesus said, this is the good part. Do you understand what he's saying? He said, being with me is the good part. I'm going to be real honest with you. And the reason I'm crying is because the Lord has been doing such a work in me. If I, if I would be honest, this season has felt like a crushing to me. And I... I me and Dominic talked about this while he was here. And I said, Lord, why do I feel like I'm being crushed? And the Lord said, because I love you. And because I don't want you to ever get away from the simplicity of sitting at my feet. So let me end with this. There is no substitute for being with because people can lay hands on you. Did you know we can lay hands right now and impart a gift? We can impart peace. We can impart healing. We can impart faith. But you know what I can't give you? 
I can't, I can't impart my relationship with God. You can't impart yours to me. Your history with God is your history with God. And I just want to encourage everyone before we stand. What we can learn from Mary is this. There's no substitute from this. And this is the greater thing. This is the best thing. This is the one thing. And I want to, I want to encourage you. The way to be close to Jesus is to be close to Jesus. When, when, when Martha became, I want you to see this. When Martha became distracted in the same room, Mary could not keep her eyes off of him. Why couldn't Mary keep her eyes off of him? Because she was doing more than sitting and, and listening. She was actually beholding Jesus. And get this, as he was sharing his word. You know what I believe is happening? When we sit at his feet, and he opens his word. Do you know what he's doing? He's not just increasing our knowledge. Think about it. Does he want us to read the Bible just so we'll know more? I mean, that's good, but is that the point? It's that when we're in his presence and he opens the word, he is actually the bread of life. And what he does is he breaks it and he distributes in the word. And what he does is he actually feeds your soul. And so when Mary's sitting at his feet, she's like, wow, this is so good. You're so beautiful. I got a lot of stuff to do, but I can't seem to get up. And Lord, when you speak, listen, when you speak, your word is like honey. I just want to sit here at your feet. And I want to encourage you, sit at his feet until you have beheld him. And sit at his feet until he has fed you. And don't allow the busyness of life to pull you away from your one thing and the good part that you have with him. You know one of the biggest lies is? Oh, Lord, I'll be more productive if I go. No, we actually won't. Because you remember that story in the book of Acts where Peter was walking down the road and they put out the sick? Remember that? And the Bible says that as Peter walked by, his shadow healed him. What was, where was Peter headed? It's a prayer. In fact, in the book of Acts, the apostles at one point, they said, we've gotten too busy. They actually divided the ministry into you know they administrated it and they said we've got to devote ourselves to prayer and the word you remember that because you see when Peter's walking and his shadow heals somebody Peter's actually not doing much why did that happen he's been with Jesus being with him actually makes us more fruitful It makes us more effective. And I want to say this to you today. What God wants to do to you when you're at his feet is not just for you. You know why? Because every day you're walking by people. And you know what? They don't need you to say, guess what this preacher said on YouTube? 
Guess what I heard on this podcast? They need you to say, can I tell you about what Jesus has done for me? Can I tell you about what he said to me this morning while I was at his feet? Do you realize there are people that need the overflow of what God does to you in those places? Could you stand with me to your feet? minutes I'm going to pray and then we're going to leave but please let me pray for you before you leave I want our altar workers and prayer partners to please come but here's this is the most important thing every head bowed every eye closed if there's anyone in this room who has not received him or online and you want to would you just slip up your hand just slip up your hand I see you. God bless you, brother. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. Online, can we all pray this prayer together as part of church? Dear Heavenly Father, I love you. I need you. I repent of my sin. I need a Savior. Wash me in your blood. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. I turn from my sin. And I make a decision to follow you from this day forward in your mighty name. Come on, let's give them a hand clap. But I want to do something. Every eye closed, every head bowed, just with your the posture of worship. pray over us today and I'm going to open up the altars in just a minute but let me let me do this if you're in this room and today throughout this message you feel the Lord summoning you please hear me summoning you to his feet come join me really quick come join me really quick if you say this morning as you're preaching I realized I'm Martha I love the Lord. I love to serve the Lord. But my heart is troubled. My heart is anxious. The busyness of life, the routineness of everything, the, the mundane, everything has seemed to strip away at my first love. Would you just come with your hands lifted? They're going to put up the QR codes in the, in the, on the screen. If you need prayer, baptism, sign up for the devotional, you can do that at these codes. But as, as, before I pray, as I was just pacing, the, the, I feel like the Lord reminded me, quickened me this. You notice he didn't force Mary to stay there and he didn't force Martha to join her. You know what he does? He comes. And he says, I'll dine 
I'll commune. I'll visit with whoever wants to dine with me. You notice that he doesn't push and he doesn't pull. He's in the room and he's like a magnetic force and he's drawing the hungry. But he doesn't force Martha to stay at my feet. He doesn't tell Mary to join. You know what he says? Come all who are hungry. Come all who are thirsty. Come all who desire and hunger for more. And I will fill you. So if that's you today, you say, Andrew, in this service, I feel the Lord stirring my heart. I just want you to lift up your hands. Dear Heavenly Father, God, in this service, I'm actually praying. I, I, I don't know if I've ever prayed this. If we could impart something, it would be, God, that you would impart an invitation, a summoning back to first love activity, God. Back to your feet. Back to the simplicity of being at your feet and hearing your words. You know, I feel like I heard this quote one time. He says, sometimes believers don't have a relationship with God. They have a relationship with believers about God. God is wanting to move some of you beyond having a relationship with God through other people. And even through ministries, God is saying that I am summoning you to my feet. You yourself to my feet. So, Father, right now, I just pray for the for just the, a baptism of the fire of your love in this place. God, I pray that you would right now, by your Holy Spirit, begin to draw us, begin to, God, even create hunger within us. God, 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 cause us to become unsatisfied, cause us to become even discontent. God, and say, God, Jesus, I have to have more of you. I have to have more of you. God, God, help me. If I'm Martha, help me, God, to see that I'm Martha. I'm, if I'm distracted, help me to see I'm distracted. God, if my heart is troubled and anxious, help me to see it, Father. Help me to help me to be able to sit and hear your voice. Help me to be able to sit still in your presence, God. I need you to heal me. I need you to speak to me. I need you, Father, to draw me. So, Father, I just release that, God. I just release the fire of your love in this place. First love activity. That we would be like Mary, God. That we would be found at your feet. All the days of our life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you, Inspire Church.